The angels beckon me to heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Amen. This world is not our home. Amen. The people of this world are really not your friends. Amen. You can't be ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation, the same salvation that changed your life and made you who you are this morning can change their life. He's interested in you touching him this morning and him touching you and him ministering to you and him helping you. Welcome to Naked Pentecostalism. I'm your host, Isaac Coverstone. Hello, everybody. It is Juneteenth holiday in 2022. So I got the day off and I was able to get some time to make another episode. And I thought about doing... I can't believe I haven't done it up to this point because it's such a huge part of the Pentecostal culture. But I wanted to talk about standards, uh, specifically what they call holiness standards. This is really just a set of rules that govern how a person can dress, where they can visit, you know, what businesses they can go to. Uh, the the way they talk, the way they conduct themselves. It, it's this entire uh, set of guidelines for how to live, and it, it affects every part of your life. So this is often a defining point of, of what makes a Pentecostal versus maybe... Uh, another branch of, of Christianity, uh, Lutheranism, or Presbyterian, or Catholic, because it's so blatant, and it's so prevalent. There's, um, there's a very distinctive look, I would say, that's, that's always been, maybe it, it wasn't as bad in the, in the early days of Pentecost, in the 1900s through 1960s, and then at, at a certain point, uh, fashion changed and uh, adapted, and so we started seeing maybe where Pentecostals became more distinctive and they, and they were more recognizable. And what, what's really interesting is Pentecostals do gradually change their standards. So what was holiness standards very common in the 20s or 30s may be completely different than what it is today. So in a sense... They are not these permanent, you know, these concrete guidelines, but they're very subjective. And the standards will change quite a bit depending on what branch of Pentecost you're in, depending on, you know, even the local congregation of that same branch. So it's, it's there's no way to really pin it down. And it makes it very difficult to, to discuss because it's not an objective concept. It's, it's, entirely up to the local leadership of that church. So you can have, you know, three Pentecostal churches in the same town, and one might teach against wearing wedding rings, the other would not teach against wedding rings, and one would say we drink wine with communion, the other would say we, we don't drink wine with communion. You know, one allows you to go bowling, and one says, no, we don't, we don't go bowling, and any combination of those, you know, it, it's... It's this completely just made up as a go along type situation. And what what they all have in common, uh, what what they have 
consistent between them all is really that it's very strict. Predominantly, Pentecostal churches are going to be um, creating a lot of rules. Even the more relaxed liberal Pentecostal churches are going to be more strict than your average uh, Lutheran, Pentecost, uh, Presbyterian, Catholic, whatever type um, Orthodox church. So it's very common to have a Pentecostal church that says you, you can't partake of television or movies, um, absolutely no marijuana is allowed, et cetera, et cetera. And theologically, there's problems with this. And there's a reason that we go back through the older Orthodox Christian uh, movements and they don't really do this sort of thing. Like maybe in, in some aspects there would be dress codes in, in some churches, or there would be some prohibition against alcohol consumption. Um, even the early church fathers, going back to the first, second century, they had different concepts they would teach, such as, you know, they would teach against eating meat, um, but not necessarily, like, these weren't guidelines that went into a specific movement. It was just these were ideas by specific people, so the real problem with this concept is one it's not based on scripture they, they claim it's based on scripture you'll see pentecostals pull out some verse and they'll 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 spit it out and say uh you know this is um this is why women shouldn't wear uh pants and then they'll they'll put out some scripture about women not wearing men's apparel and it's pulled from the old testament and it's completely taken out of context it's not interpreted correctly and there's i'm not going to go into the weeds of the exact theology because it's been beat to death by a number of other really good bloggers and podcasters and and i don't want to do it i couldn't do it justice so i'm not going to try but that information is out there for someone that's really interested in learning. It's readily available. Um, the correct interpretation of these verses, the correct way to to put that into context for the day and the time period. So there's definitely no theological basis for telling women you can't wear pants or or putting whatever dress guidelines on a person. It's it's, it's really pointless. But so not only is there no theological basis for it, but this creates an artificial sense of tribalism where oh, we're different than so-and-so because we have this standard. So really what it does is it builds up a sense of self-righteousness that we're special, we're different, we're unique because we dress differently. And it, it's a point of pride really to say, you know, we don't, we don't do things a certain way because we have like superior self-control or we want to be different than the rest of the people in our society and our culture. So we're going to do things this certain way. And it really just creates this, like I said, a, a tribalism where not only do you act differently, you look differently and you're proud of it. And so you're literally creating this atmosphere where, um, you can get, in a sense, persecuted for this this belief system because people look at you and go, you know, why in the world are you wearing this outfit in this weather? You know, like, 
like let's be honest if you're really you know going to be cooler in hot weather by wearing long sleeves and, and like full knee-length skirts and everything like everybody else would do it because clearly that's what works but it clearly doesn't work because you're you're better off to allow yourself to breathe a little bit and and I've heard all kinds of crazy messed up reasoning from Pentecostal preachers about you know oh the Arabs are wearing full-length robes and you know they're not sweating to death and blah 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 it's like well yeah you come back and talk to me when you're wearing a full-length flowing robe like they wear you know it's all in white i don't see you doing that so it's it's a it's a stupid comparison to make but really the the what's interesting is pentecostals seem to be mired in this in this idea that the 1940s america was like the ideal time period or something because all of the so-called holiness dress standards are mostly based in this time period like women always wore skirts and women always wore long hair and, and, and men kept their hair short and and men basically shaved off their faces every single day you know and this it's it's really backwards because you know there's nothing inherently holy about shaving your face like it's kind of silly i mean there's no prohibition against beards anywhere in the Bible. I mean, absolutely anywhere. And yet, for some reason, the Pentecostals kind of latched onto this, like, we don't want beards in our churches. And that's that's just entirely this, this subjective decision to make. It's arbitrary to just say, we're not going to have beards. Well, there's, again, just like all the other aspects of holiness and standards, there's no scriptural basis for it. It's just a... It's just a decision that a group of men came up with, and people decided to let them make that decision for them. Now, the here's the other aspect of it, and that is you create this um, you create this sort of hypocrisy, I guess would be the word, where they want to say we're doing this because we don't want to be prideful. We want to have modesty. We want to have a minimum of of our bodies exposed so we're not inspiring lust in other people, blah, blah, blah. And yet, if you go through Instagram photos of various Pentecostals that are semi-famous or even just have a modest following of people, they almost, to a person, are, are doing these glamour shots and fancy dresses and, and crazy hairdos and elaborate you know objects woven into the hairdos and it, it's like clearly this isn't about pro this isn't about you know having a modest appearance because these outlandish outfits are so completely outside the norm for what would you know what would draw attention to yourself and, and clearly you can draw attention to someone or, you know, someone's wearing these crazy hairdos that the Pentecostals wear and they, the men have, I mean, I'm talking hundreds of dollars being spent on haircuts 
and they they want to just look like models you know it's that's clearly pride it's clearly something that is not modest and yet they're going around preaching to everyone else that oh yeah yeah we're we're different than the world we're we have all these standards blah 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 and you know they're wearing expensive watches and it's just human nature can't be changed even though they say they're modest they say they're they're all whatever they'll still find ways to look as elegant and and show off as much as possible just because that's you know that's normal that's that shouldn't be something that we that we try to beat down that's normal for humans to want to stand out to want to be unique that's wired into us it's probably somewhere in our you know our ancestors needed to have a way of drawing attention to themselves for attracting a mate whatever there's some evolutionary biological wiring for that but the holiness standards are just kind of this it's a chokehold you're putting on humanity for no good reason for it doesn't accomplish anything other than it makes you look weird enhances the tribalistic nature of religion and what's especially interesting is this mentality of holiness standards uh standards of modesty these are mostly seen in the most extreme of cults if you look at all the different religions out there the ones that control the dress standard the most are the most whack job crazy you know the the mormons the jehovah's witnesses the westboro baptists the pentecostals and and you can go down the list there's there's always the most the most radical movements are the ones that have the most control they put over people whether it's what you wear whether it's how you speak whether it's you know the websites you look at it doesn't matter it's 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 all a form of control over a person and and it creates this artificial artificial sense of shame that you know if you don't follow these guidelines like you're messed up and and it gives a an excuse to shun the person to push them out of the group because there's this really clear um, indication that person isn't following what the group um, is doing you know it, it's a it's just this really classic control method and so that's really it it's it's evolved over the years as i've said some holiness standards have gone away some have been added uh, when the internet came out you know they used to preach against we don't want people using email we don't want people using the internet in their houses but then you know that that eventually went away because it was like it was unrealistic to even try to control that so again it all points back to this is not some theological foundation that's based on the bible but it's just based on what they want to um what they want to try and control people with you know so it's it's more about the power of that individual that's in the pulpit it's about their pride what they want to try and um impose on people more than anything else so i would just encourage people that are currently in that environment you know to 
to really take a long, hard look at what is the theological um, justification for it, and what is the you know opinions and feedbacks from other branches of Christianity. Because yeah, anything can sound good if, if if it's all you hear for twenty years. But if you hear another perspective and you get some balanced input, sometimes that can make the difference. So, yeah. Long story short, just it's it's completely unnecessary. It's completely off the charts. It it makes a person feel awkward and uncomfortable, especially teenagers growing up. You know, you're you're trying to go to school or you're you're hanging out with people that you rub shoulders with in day to day life, and they're being forced to feel awkward and ashamed and it's a very negative experience that can produce long-term trauma. There are people that leave the church and it takes them sometimes years, or in some cases they never entirely get comfortable with just wearing normal clothes and and wearing jewelry. And uh, perhaps I was a lucky one that it took me a relatively little amount of time to kind of overcome that indoctrination and feel relaxed you know, with t-shirt, shorts, rings, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. But for some people, it's a long-term PTSD that they feel judged, they feel ashamed, they feel like everyone's staring at them because they're different. And, and it's it's not healthy for people, really. That's the, the long and short of it. So that's pretty much... Uh, the long and short of standards, it's it's a complex topic, and there's so much more we could dive into with this, uh, the history of that, of that, how that's got introduced, and how it's changed in religions over time, but certainly it's too big of a subject for one episode to cover exhaustively, and I prefer not to go over that amount of time. So I hope you guys enjoyed, and I hope you guys learned something. And we will see you next time. Have a good one. God's able to work out the trouble in your life. He's able to work out the problems that you deal with. God loves you. God cares about you. God's going to change.